Good morning, everyone. So we're starting out Pledge Month, and as promised, this coming month we're going to learn some of the spiritual principles of abundance, of financial freedom, of really just experiencing more, more of life, if you will. And for inspiration this year, I, I'm doing something that I have never done before. And so, although I love this book, I'm also going to give you the caveat that goes with it. It's, uh, it's called Ask and It Is Given by the, the Hickses, Esther and Jerry Hicks. And I got to tell you, I have resisted this book and these authors for a, a kind of an odd reason that I want to share for you. So this is a channeled book. And for those of you that are not familiar with channeling, the story is that Esther believes that this group entity called Abraham actually gives this information to her in her mind, and then she, she transcribes it down in English. Now, the reason I hesitate in using a book like this isn't the content at all. It's just that sometimes we get mixed up in the idea of spirituality and spiritualism. And so I wouldn't want to imply that somehow this is more powerful because it comes in this format. I wouldn't want to imply that uh, you need something in between you and God. Um, I absolutely believe that everyone here in this room has already a unique and powerful connection to God. And we certainly don't need to go to the spiritual world to shore that up or to strengthen that. Having said all that, you're probably going, well, then why are you using that darn book? Um, it's actually... A very powerful, a very powerful message, very useful tools in here. It is a totally great book about abundance. So if the channeling part of it puts you off, just skip the first two chapters. Because <laughs> the, the first two chapters are the setup, if you will, about the channeling. And from then on, it is pure spiritual nature of money and abundance. It's a great book. So we're going to be using it this month. And in fact, her main uh, premise, if you will, the, the starting off point, is the idea, the key idea that we create our own reality. So the premise here is that we get to choose the thoughts we have, we get to choose our beliefs, we get to choose our experiences in the world, we get to choose our reality. We, we take what is potential in our lives, and through the power of our mind, we create reality. Okay, and... Her theory is, and I want to try this on size for all of you, that we're already doing it. That this isn't some like new message, this isn't some new tool, this isn't something that you got to go to some school to learn how to do. We've already been to the school and we're already doing it. So I want to ask you, does it feel like we're doing it? If, through the power of our own thinking, we create our reality, are we doing the best job we can? i got to tell you, some days... Uh, if I'm creating my own reality, someone else needs to be in charge for a few minutes. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Every now and then I get the idea that if, if all of this is created by someone or something, you know, Star, would you do me for, would, would you take care of my reality for a day? Not always, not always. But now and then, I really think that there's something wrong with this picture. And it isn't that I don't believe that that's how it works. I just wonder why my outcomes aren't the way I want them to be. And I found a joke to illustrate this. <laughs> it's called Potential Versus Reality. So a middle school boy asks his father for help on a writing assignment. Dad, can you tell me the difference between potential and reality? Well, his father looks up thoughtfully for a moment and says, I'll demonstrate. Go ask your mother if she would sleep with Robert Redford for a million dollars. 
Then, go ask your older sister if she would sleep for, with, with Brad Pitt for a million dollars. So go ask and come back and tell me the results. So the kid is puzzled, but yeah, he goes and asks his mom, Mom, if someone gave you a million dollars, would you sleep with Robert Redford? Well, don't tell your father. <laughs> but yeah, I would. <laughs> then he goes to the sister's room. Sis, if someone gave you a million dollars, would you sleep with Brad Pitt? Oh, yeah, in a minute, she said. <laughs> so then the kid goes back to his father. Dad, I think I figured it out. Potentially, we're sitting on $2 million here. <laughs> But in reality, we're just living in a society with loose morals. <laughs> and you know what? Morals aside, that's sort of what's going on here. That's my problem. It may not be my morals, but it is the looseness of my thinking. It's me going, today is same old, same old. I'll just kind of go with the flow. And the trouble is, where's the flow taking me? The flow isn't necessarily taking me where I want to be. The flow isn't necessarily taking me in a direction that's positive for me. In fact, half the time the flow is downright dangerous. The flow is created by the people that have their own vested interest in the world. Do you know what I mean? Part of the flow is Madison Avenue that thinks that, that if only Americans would spend enough money, they'll look the right way and smell the right way and live in the right house and, and have the right kind of car and show up physically, you know, after working out in the gym. And, you know, we get all these messages from Madison Avenue that there's is just something wrong with every last one of us, right? Isn't it true? <laughs> Madison Avenue, I, I mean, there are countries that are perfect, that are doing perfectly well that have never even heard of deodorant, right? <laughs> this, is a, this is a purely American kind of invention for the most part. You know, it's not even okay to smell the way I smell. So this is where the flow takes us if we're just going to go with the flow. And it is through our loose thinking that a lot of us just go with the flow. But is it us? If we are going to learn how to create our own reality, are we creating our reality? Or are we fulfilling someone else's role? Are we simply outpicturing our own lives the way our parents would have wanted us to? Or, or our uh, you know, grade school companions? Or our beliefs as written up in the newspaper or on TV? Are we simply reenacting a B-movie in order to... <laughs> no, honestly. If we have that loose sense about our thinking... I would guess that's where most of us are going. And, and I, have to, I have to own up to that in my own life. Oftentimes, it just seems difficult to be really clear and a little bit tight around what I want and what I'm going for. But if we do that, if we do that, if we're very clear about what we want and we use spiritual principles to get it, and, and by that I mean creating a, a message of thoughts and beliefs and ways of being in the world that are in alignment with what we want to see, that are in alignment with love, that are in alignment with abundance, that will take us where we want to go, i got to tell you there's no stopping us then. 
then the looseness of our thinking is good, right? And, and I, I like to think of this looseness, too, as, as though we're going to a restaurant. Have you ever been to a seafood restaurant? Almost all of them have up on the board the catch of the day, and they'll, they'll like put what it is. Well, when we're in loose thinking mode, it's as though we go into that restaurant, and without looking at the board, we say, I'll take the catch of the day. Well, now and then, that's a good thing, but I don't want to get stuck with the octopus. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Can we afford to be that loose in our thinking? Our desires for bettering ourselves and our family and our loved ones should be paramount. And when we're clear about it, when we understand what's on our own menu, if you will, what's for us, we can make all the difference in the world. Our disappointment, I think, goes along with us trying to measure up at what other people would want for us. When we're in alignment with what we know is true and good about each one of us, when we're in alignment with what's important, well, in fact, let me stop there for a minute. What is important for you? Now, this whole month, we're going to be talking about abundance, and I'm specifically going to be giving you tools that will increase your bottom line in terms of financial success in the world. And I'm going to start right off by saying, and so what? Because will money make you happier? This is unclear to me. I'm not discounting the fact that it might make things easier, <laughs> right? And certainly, I live in a lovely house, and, and I have a lot of the, the things that people would say, well, yeah, Larry's pretty successfully financially here, or, or his abundance quotient is pretty high. Does that guarantee that I'm happy? i got to tell you, I know lots of people who earn amazing sums of money and are miserable, and I also know people who are, have quite modest incomes, uh, that are as happy as can be. And, and the reverse. And totally the reverse. I don't think that money has a whole lot to do about happiness. And so my advice to you, even as this month we're learning some outrageous things to do that will draw to you the things you want, let's analyze what those things are. Because I bet for most of us, having some extra money would be a welcome thing, but having deeper friendships might be more important having clarity around our gift that we give the world, for instance, might be really important. Our relationships with our, our family could be critical, right? So even as I'm talking about abundance, you be thinking about what abundance means to you. What really is important to you? What really would make you happy? What really makes your life worthwhile? And that's what we're going to put these tools to. And part of it may be money, and that's great. But I guess an even larger part of it goes beyond simple money. So I want to talk again for just a moment about this idea of the, the loose thinking. You were born knowing that you are the creator of your own reality. And although that desire to do so pulsed within you in a powerful way, then you began to integrate into society. You began to accept mo most of the same picture that others held of the way your life should unfold. Over time, and with enough pressure for, from those who surround you, you became convinced that their way was more valid than your way. Gradually, you began to release your determination to guide your own life. 
This is the time to put that aside. This is the time to move forward knowing that what is good for you is good for you and you should have it, all right? And if it needs a, a dispensing with a friend, if it needs an honest heart-to-heart talk with a loved one about what really is important, is that job important or is your family important? Do you know what I mean? There could be some hard messages here and that's okay because today is the time to really begin going for what is important to you. Not what society says, not what the pictures in the magazine look like, what is in your heart and in your mind, and we're going to start right off with some tools to do that. First of all, the book says, and I firmly believe, that the place to start is to take ownership for your life as it is. Now, I got to tell you, there have been times in my life when I have created a horrible mess. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, I, and I hope I'm not alone there. I, I would suspect there's a person or two in the audience that at the end of a really long day looked around and said, oh my God. <laughs> but I want you, if you're willing, to take ownership even for that. And I'll explain why. If we can take ownership for even the messes that we make, we are acknowledging that we have power. Now, it may have been misguided power, honestly, that, that I'm th- actually thinking of a day that I just made a total muddle of, and at the end of it, I smiled to myself, kind of looked at the debris. <laughs> Some of it was debris around people, because I wasn't very kind that day. Some of it was debris around some actual work I was trying to accomplish upstairs here. And it was one of those days I could have just stayed at home under the covers and been more productive, right? <laughs> But at the end of the day, I looked at the mess that I had created and said, look how powerful you are. You went into a really bad place, and you did this to an alarming degree that few people could manage. (laughs) Now, now (laughs) Now, why might I do that? Because if I can exert that level of power and acknowledge it, on a bad idea, on a bad mood, where can I go with the same amount of energy, the same amount of forethought, the same amount of oomph when it's in a good direction? We are supremely powerful through our thoughts, through our beliefs, through our own innate nature of of being and doing on this planet. We can create we can create the world. We in fact we do create our world. We are that powerful. And if instead, for instance, if I said all those bad things, well, that was just a, you know, tendencies of the world. I'm not responsible for anything that came before, right? I'm just going to start fresh. Now that might be some people's attitude. Like, I don't want to think about all the rotten things I've created in my life. You know, I'd rather not think of those 10 years that I was drinking to excess. I'd rather not think of those first two long-term relationships that were pretty dismal. Those just happened. (laughs) Trouble is, if those just happened, right? What about what comes next? (laughs) If we want to have some say over what comes next, if we want to feel that our life is being created on purpose through our own ideas, through our own power, then we need to own up to the past as well. 
because it was the past that got us here. It was our thinking that created our lives and will continue to do so. We just need to, to fine tune. We need to tighten up that loose thinking. We need to stop just kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, just sort of knee-jerk reacting in the world and instead put some plans. What is it you want to experience? What is the life? What is the love? What is the abundance? What is the joy? What is the peace that you want to experience? And we go for that and we put our, our thoughts and our ideas in alignment with that. We put our joys and our, and our actions in alignment with that. We put our deeds and, and the way we show up in the world alignment with that good that we seek and we will have it. Ask and it shall be given, but we need to be really clear and careful about the asking. So I did a little research for this. Um, getting back to money again here. I did a little research, and there was a study published earlier this year on people talking to their children. And uh, this was actually done uh, by a financial magazine. In fact, this was published in the Huffington Post, the results of it. And you might say, well, what about why kids and money or why kids and finance? And, and the questions were, how easy it is it to talk to your kids about dot, dot, dot? And so uh, I thought it was nice that only about 7% of parents now say that it's difficult to talk to their children about drugs. Right? So as parents, society has moved forward a little bit. You know, 93% of parents say, no, I can talk to my kids about it. It's important. And, uh, you know, I, I studied up or used my own experience. And, and, and I can talk to kids in a meaningful way about drugs. Not so much about sex, right? From 7%, we jump up to only 15% of, uh, excuse me, 15% of, of parents uh, don't feel comfortable. So still, you know, 85, but 15, just avoid the whole topic of, of sex. But what about finances? You won't believe this. 20%, one in five parents feel completely inadequate and won't talk to their children about money. We've gone from drugs and sex to the great taboo in families about talking about money. Now, is it any reason that we are where we are right now in terms of our own finances, our own ability to accept good into our lives, our own um, sort of, uh, I don't know, the status quo of where we are about money and finances and abundance, if our parents were ashamed to talk about it? And I even want to offer this up. What is your first memory, your very first memory, about your parents talking about money? Yeah, some of you are nodding, right? It was the angry discussion, wasn't it? It was, wait a minute, you weren't supposed to buy that. Or it was the, how are we going to pay all these bills? Or it was the fight about who should be keeping track of the checkbook and why there are missing entries in it. Or it was the argument about, uh, how can you buy that when you know we haven't even made the mortgage payment this month? For most Americans, I would bet their first experience with money was not a pleasant one. The, the overall impression is that money causes trouble, that, that money tends to have discontent in the home, that people fight over money, that there's never enough money, that money is troublesome just by itself. These are typically the messages that most young people get. 
So is it no wonder that as we grow up, we're hesitant to talk about it? We might not be very good managers of it. I, in fact, I remember in, oh, many, many years of public schooling, I think there was only one class that lasted one term when I was a junior in, uh, in high school that they ever even talked about money. How are we supposed to be running our lives financially with no training whatsoever? <laughs> Think about this for a minute. If we want to improve our finances, the first thing we need to do is understand what we think about them. If we think that money is trouble, if we think that living an abundant life perhaps means they've avoided paying their taxes or, or they're up to no good, if we think that there's something fishy about people that have a lot of money, if there's a belief in it that, that there's never enough money to go around or that you only get money if you work so very, very, very hard and then it's very elusive to hold on to, if these are the beliefs that came to us as children, it's likely to still be there, at least on the subconscious level. So your first bit of homework for this week, if you're willing anyway, is maybe take out a piece of paper when you get it home and just write down what your current beliefs are around abundance are. Um, take a look and see if your belief is you're never going to have enough, money is difficult, um, money is elusive, you have to work way too hard to get it, rich people are a little meh. If these are your... <laughs> If these are your beliefs, why would you want that thing? Think about that. Okay, so first place we need to start is understanding our current beliefs about money, but then we can do something about it. And the first place is ownership. I've talked about that. Take ownership for where you are right now in terms of abundance. You are creating your life, and if you have a million dollars in the bank, or if the bank statement comes and it's in red letters, it doesn't matter. We can take ownership for where we are right now in terms of our abundance, and we're going to use that same power moving forward to make a difference in our lives, to begin bringing to us the things that would make our life more loving, more beautiful, more satisfying, all right? And, and in some ways, it might be love. In some ways, it might be money. In some ways, it might be more freedom. Whatever it is, we're going to focus this month on what it is that would really make our hearts sing, that would really be more meaningful in our own lives in terms of abundance. So first, we take ownership of our life as it is, and we're prepared to use that same energy moving forward. The second piece is just as straightforward, and that is to know what you want to really be clear about what it is that you want. Because I would guess that money is a middle, a kind of a middle force. Like I want the money so I can. Do you know what I mean? It's not just that you'd feel happy if you had a million dollars in the bank. That might be true, but I would guess that would last for just a short period of time. But if you're clear that additional money would allow you to you know, explore your dreams or buy a house. or Then we can start talking about really what matters in your life. Is it, um, is it your home? Is it providing a, a wonderful environment for you and your family? Now that's a little different than just wanting money, isn't it? 
Maybe you want to provide a wonderful education for your children or grandchildren. Maybe the money would allow you more recreational uh, opportunities. All of these things, as we focus on them, the money can take care of itself. So let us understand truly what it is that we want. And then finally, the third factor here is really knowing how powerful you are. Now, when I look out in this audience, you know, maybe it's a, a unique minister's perspective, but when I look out in this audience, really all I see are two things, love and power. I feel so very strongly from the people in this room a sense of love, of loving this planet, of loving one another, a sense of loving life and, and wanting to experience more life. I totally get that. And I bet to a degree you do too because you can see it in each other's eyes. You can see it in each other's faces. More elusive, I bet, to you is the sense of power that's in this room. Every person here has the creative power of a, of a Moses, of a Jesus. Every person in this room, through their connection to the divine creator and the source of all things, is supremely powerful. Now, I don't know how to, I really feel inadequate of how to convey that, other than I'm hoping over these next few weeks, we'll start getting a taste in it. So stick with me. If it seems a little funny to be combining abundance or money and church, stick with me for a few weeks, because I think you will discover that what it really is about is coming into your own power. And I want to leave you with a piece of homework right out of the, right out of the book here. And I printed it up. These are, these are, I think, lovely exercises in abundance. This one is called The Rampage of Appreciation, right from Esther Hicks or, or from Abraham, if you prefer. And the idea of it is an exercise that you can do in the dentist's office or in the line at Safeway. Anytime you're kind of queued up and having to wait on something, and it simply is to find something in your line of sight and appreciate it. And so uh, let me just take something at random here, L like maybe a microphone, really. It doesn't even have to be something that in itself is pretty. Just take something and appreciate it. So I look at this and I think of the beautiful, and I'm looking at part of it right now, <laughs> I think of the beautiful music that has come through this. And I also appreciate the, the mystery of it in a way. I mean, somewhere in the mind of a human being some time ago was the idea that we could capture sound waves and, and put them through a little wire and, and uh, Adam in the back there could, could mix the sound of many different things and make a, a, a truly glorious spectacle in the room. I look at it and I can see the engineering that went into this so that the cord doesn't fall off and the, the engineering in the, in the surface even here so that it's not easily broken. And the more I begin appreciating this thing, my heart begins to open. Appreciation, gratitude, these are things that quite against our will, and sometimes I'm so very willful, but quite against my will, as I appreciate, as I'm grateful for something as simple as a microphone, I can feel it. And when my heart is open, Friends, that's the only time you can receive. And so this simple exercise 
that you can do anywhere at any time with, <laughs> with common household objects. <laughs> it puts you in a position to receive your dreams. So throughout this month, um, each week we're going to send you home with another, uh, another spiritual practice in abundance. I know this month is going to change our lives for the better without question. I'm going to close with uh, a final quote from this lovely book and a prayer. Sometimes you are fully allowing the true nature of your being to flow through you. And sometimes you're not. But as you learn to consistently and consciously allow your full connection with the you, that you that is your source, your, your experience will be one of absolute joy. By consciously choosing the direction of your thoughts, you can be in constant connection with source energy, with God, with joy, and with all that you consider to be good. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. I call this thing God. And what I know about God is that it is infinite. That there is no end to the, the night sky filled with stars. There's no end to the earthly good right here on this planet of life and love and, and joy and festivities. And, and that good is everywhere I turn. Whether it be in a, in a microphone or whether it be standing in the line at Safeway, good is present. And as I open my heart, I know that I am willing, I am ready, I am grateful to receive. And as it is true for me, I know without question it is true for each person in this room that each person here has a willingness to take ownership for their lives, has a willingness to understand what is true and what is good uniquely for them, and has that willingness to open their hearts and be ready for their own personal power to be fruitful. This is the power that I recognize in this room. This is the, the love and the power right here. And I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for the power of God showing up as the people in this room. Grateful for life itself moving in such abundance. I, I simply let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.